The opinions and views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants alone and do not necessarily represent Utah Valley University or the UVU Center for Social Impact. Let's get real. Talking about social issues can be intimidating and confusing. Real Talk invites listeners into candid conversations about hard topics. We talk to those that are actually living through the problems everyone is talking about. So grab a drink, grab a blanket, and start getting comfortable being being uncomfortable. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about something that I personally don't know a ton about, so I'm excited to learn from everyone here. Um, Today, we're going to be talking to our good friends, Tino and Jose. Um, Tino, why don't we start with you? Can you just introduce yourself, um, just who you are, um, and maybe just how I know you? Sure, yeah. Thank you for having me on. So my name is Agustin Diaz, but I just go by Tino, and I am a program director with the Center for Social Impact, and I mostly handle events, a few programs, and I work closely with other student groups as well. So uh, I also consider myself like an organizer within the community, and I'm also a PhD student and a family person, guy, man, whatever you want to call it. That's me. (laughs) The best. We call Tio Tino. Tino Tio, which is Tio Tino in Spanish. Yeah, Tio Tino. He's just the best. And Jose, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? All right. Um, My name is Jose Correas, and I am the Outreach Fellow at the Center for Social Impact. Besides that, uh, I am a political science major here at UVU, and I am graduating this spring. Perfect. So today we wanted to talk about something that I think these three, especially you, Priscilla, and these two are going to have like a really interesting conversation. And I'm just mostly here to learn from you guys. Um, But we're going to talk about Latinidad. Um, And so just to kind of start, what is like the appropriate way for someone who like isn't a Spanish speaker, or isn't a part of like, the Latin community? How do we like, what's like the term to use? Because I've heard Latinx, I've learned... I've heard like Latino. What's like the best term in your guys' opinion for other people to use? Um, well, f- first, I just want to say like personally that I have been starting to not really like the term Latinx that much. Um, so, I mean, Latinx is not bad at all. And if someone wants to identify as Latinx, that's totally fine. Like I'm not also like don't use that. Um, I used to actually be like super like, yeah, we need to use the term Latinx, but then like thinking about it more and like reading more like discussions and like articles about it, I'm like, maybe it's not the best term just because it's really hard to actually pronounce for Spanish speakers. Like if you're like in Spanglish, like Latinx is fine, but like if someone just solely speaks Spanish and it's kind of like, you can't actually say it in Spanish. Um, so personally, I like the term Latine with an E at the end instead of an X because it's like, um, what is the right word? You can conjugate it very easily. Um, so, and it's gender neutral 
so you can say like Latines, the Latina community, or I just personally like the Latin community just with no O or A or X or E at the end of it. Yeah, Priscilla said it perfectly. Uh, yeah, from what I've seen, a lot of like Latin American um, people just like say Latine um, instead of Latinx. Latinx is more like a thing here in the United States. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, Priscilla said it perfectly. Um, Tino, I don't know if you want to add on to that. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I, I think the word requires a lot of context as to what happened with its use and why like you you see it rise from from mostly academia but there's a, there was also this other movement that was like a like that was demanding a, a different application of of terms for for the Latin American community and its diaspora wherever you go and a lot of that really started with the shooting in Miami I think it's Miami or in Florida um, where a shooter went into a nightclub and the, the vast majority of people who were killed in a, a, you know, the community were LGBTQ members of this very broad Latin American community. And so there was like this yearning for a different term. And so this term gets picked up and it's, and it's good, but there's definitely like problematics behind that term. And I would argue there's going to be problematics with any term that we use to describe such a very broad and, you know, complex and diverse community. Um, and so I think, I don't think the, the term Latinx is bad, but I think it's not the only term that deserves attention. We have, we have Chicano, Chicana and Chicanex or like Chicane. And these, and I think it's, it's the unfinished project of trying to understand who we are as a people, because whatever term that comes out, to be honest with you, is going to be problematic and deserves critique. And can we just have a conversation about that is, is my thing. I don't want to police terms. I don't want to uh, say what's good and what's not. But I think people ought to just ask us individually, like how we like to be identified. I, I'm not a big fan of Latinx or Latino for myself. Um, and so, and I think that's okay, you know? Yeah, I've also heard um, because I take a like a Latino communications class um, at school and one of our modules was talking about identity terms. And um, I think this is don't no one like quote me on this. (laughs) No one like take me uh, take this as actual fact. But I think that Latinx does have some significance from I think Katina mentioned earlier, like protests and stuff. I think that I don't know if it was like Afro Latinos in like Brazil, I think um, some time ago, like on posters, they would put like Latino, but they would strike an X through it because it was like, you know, you know, we're not like, we don't like this masculine term or whatever. So I think that may have some origin in that in those protests and like putting an X through the O. So yeah, I just wanted to mention that yeah. because I learned that and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But yeah, I think like Tino said, it's really important to just individually ask a person, like, what do you identify as? Like, what do you want like to be? Like, do you want to be referred to as Latino, Latina, Latine, Latinx, like Chicana, Chicano, like whatever. So how Tino said, I think that the latin community is super big and broad and even the term latin is very 
big. So I guess for me and Jose and Tino, where do you guys think we fit in the Latinx identity? Man, that's 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 a huge question, Priscilla. Um, I I would personally for me, uh, I'm still trying to find that out. Um, so I was born in El Salvador. Um, I'm an immigrant, but sometimes I feel like I'm not Latino enough that I can, sp- or like I'm not Salvadorian enough to be able to speak to the problems in El Salvador. Right. Um, I grew up here most of my life. Um, I know the United States pretty well. But I don't feel Salvadorian. And also, because of the color of my skin, because of my nationality, I don't feel like I am Latino or or American, sorry. But yeah, um, I don't know. It's, that's, that's a huge question that I'm still grappling with. Yeah, I think I, I am 36 years old and I have grappled with this question like the majority of my life, right? Um, and I... I I actually, I really vibe with the Chicano and Chicana um, movement to seek homeland when there is no homeland. And that goes back to like this term of like, soy ni de aquí, ni de allá. Like I'm not, I'm, ne- I'm neither from here nor there. And, and Gloria Anzaldúa does a great job of like carving that like homeland within the borderlands. Like for her, she states that like, that we don't need a physical place. We occupy the borderlands. And when she says we, she's talking about mostly Chicano, Chicano people. Um, And borderlands really is nowhere. It's a place that you carve yourself. And, and so, and that comes from a deep history of like Chicanos seeking like a place in U S history where like, well, I I can't go back to Mexico because I'm not Phoenix Mexican as Mexican, I can't go, and I'm already racialized in the U.S., so where do I go? Where do I find home? And the term Atslan is a really beautiful concept for this, like, spiritual, metaphysical place of belonging where, like, we find roots in in the nowhere, in the elsewhere, where a place that does not exist but exists in my heart and my mind, you know? And so maybe it's, that's how I feel for myself. I don't think, I if I go back to Honduras, they call me gringo. Right. If I go back to Ecuador, they call me gringo. And, and, but if I, but over here, I'm a brown Latino male. And so I have to carve space in between all of that. And really it's, it's up to my own making. And I, and I actually really, I would that cause my children, my boys are like Dominican too. So it's my goal to just simply put like hyphenations and be like, well, you're a little bit of Hondureño, you're a little bit of Ecuadoriano, and then you're a little bit of Dominican, and then you're a little bit of, and like, how long does that keep going, you know? Mm-hmm. Or can they just be in their own way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also agree. I feel like how I, like, personally identify myself is I'm just Mexican-Dominican. Um, my dad's from Mexico, my mom's from the Dominican Republic. But at the same time, I don't really feel like Mexican-Dominican. Like, if I were to go to Mexico, they definitely will not see me as, like, Mexican enough because, like, I'm also, like, American. And if I went to, the, like, the DR, then they also would not see me as Dominican because, like, like, I grew up here my whole life and stuff. And, like, even here with, like, which is so surprising to me because even here with other, like, Latine, like, people my age, like, young adult, like, young Latines, they don't even, like, really see me as like fully latino because like i don't really speak spanish that well like i understand a lot more than i speak it and like 
My parents never like forced me to speak it growing up. And so I've had a lot of people just like other like Latino people be like, oh, you're whitewashed and like whatever, which is so then it's it like it's just like I don't know what I am sometimes, you know, because it's like I'm definitely not white, <laughs> but I'm not anything else. Like I I just I don't know me and I and I kind of struggle with trying to find a place where I fit and then also kind of in recent years thinking about like indigeneity with like Latinos and especially after our last episode um, and conversation about indigeneity and just indigenous peoples now that's another thing that I think about like my ancestors before they were colonized like who were they what was their ways of living and their way of life um and yeah just like who who are they who were they and that's also something in recent times that I've also been I guess struggling to like grapple with so it's a very broad community which has been racialized by the United States government which is very annoying <laughs> yeah well and I feel like it's again and I, we'll talk about this a little bit later but the idea that you need to fit into some box, whether that's coming from um, the country where you were born or where your parents were born, but also expected to assimilate to the culture in the United States, yeah. that must be really difficult. Yeah, it's like a checkbox. It's like yeah. I feel like sometimes I feel like people have like a checklist to be like, oh, do you do this or whatever, whatever. Like, can you speak Spanish? Which another thing is so funny is that like people are like, oh, if you can't speak Spanish and like you're not Latino, but then it's like, okay, then what about people in brazil like latinos yeah. like you know it's like because then i've heard that even brazilians don't really see themselves as latino even though like they are a part of that right because they're from like a latin country so so it sounds like there's just a lot of just subjective conversation going on like yeah. every person sees it in a different way uh, which i think is very interesting because often when we talk about it um, just in general, as Americans, I feel like it's definitely seen as just one community. It's the same. Um, and so, Tino, I would love to get your perspective on, like, how has, like, this grappling with who, you, what your identity is and, like, as you're raising children and just as in the work that you're doing, how has that impacted the social impact work that you've done? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I um, I think a lot of my social impact work still revolve still revolves around engaging like uh, Latinx like students on our campus, um, because that's where I feel like I'll, I'll curb a lot of my work towards that, right? And like Priscilla and Jose are pretty aware of this. Like we have like a reading group going on on the side. We have an undocu student support group on the side. We have a we have a student club called Races on the side. Like like all these, I'll try and make the best out of my engagement from the job that I have with the resources that I can bring to that. Um, and like my perspective really is that I don't put boxes on Latinidad. I can't right um, because I myself don't fit those boxes. I, I come from two different countries, which are not very well spoken of, like Honduras and Central America and Ecuador and South America. And I was born and raised in New York around the Caribbean neighborhood, mostly Dominican. 
And so that influenced me as well. Like I grew up saying like, yo, que lo que, como tu ta. And, but I'm not Dominican, you know? And people would always tell me like, oh, are you Puerto Rican or Dominican? And I'm like, no, I'm neither. <laughs> and I tell them these countries, they're like, what the hell is that? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I don't know myself, you know? And so, but it's funny because um, it's allowed me to see and accept and embrace Latin, however Latinidad shows up, right? In queerness and in indigenous ways and in blackness um, amongst our students, right? Because I think at one point we were often telling we were oftentimes telling ourselves that like no we need to carve space for us and to be brown to be Latinx or Latino is to like dance a lot is to know Spanish is to be loud and obnoxious and blah 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 and I'm like low key like you're already putting boxes and and so our students show up in, in numerous ways when it comes to Latinidad. And can we be like engaged anyways? Can we can we give voice to those perspectives and make room to like create programming around those bridges, right? At least that's how it shows up for me. Thank you. I think that's really important. Though I'm not Latine. Um, I do. I feel like in my own community, I think there's just that wrestle as well, like within the black community of like, what is blackness? Like, what does it mean? And so just to hear that that's not something that's unique um, to uh, my community and my culture is really just validating. But also um, it also makes me think that there's like ways that we can connect within not only within like the, the Latin community, but like outside of the Latin community and kind of helping just accept people as they are and um, help them develop their identity however they see fit. Yeah, like, Brie, I'm glad you said that because, like, there's, like, there's, like, so many coalition-building politics amongst Black and Latina communities. Mm -hmm. Like, you look at the Puerto Rican Young Lords and the Black Panthers. You, you look at all, like, the Chicano Brown Berets and the Black Panthers, like, there were there is so much bridge building to be had, and I think we we're not even there yet here in Utah, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. But we could be, um, and I think it crosses into our identities, right? Like in the Dominican Republic, Priscilla probably knows this, but in the Dominican Republic, there's super like anti-Haitian, anti-Black vibes that are like societal. And so when I when I talk with my sons and I and I give. I give them a different perspective of Haiti and I'm like, yo, love your blackness. Like love where your mother is from and love your Afros and love. Don't, don't want to, don't straighten your hair. You're already changing like shit within your community, right? You're changing the narrative. And honestly, like that's huge because not everything that comes out of our home countries is like this beautiful, fluffy cultural thing. A lot of it's toxic. A lot of it's messed up. So Yes. So what are, I guess, what are our views, me and Jose Antino, on Latinos being seen as like a monolith and just like one community? Well, I mean, I think the one thing that Latinos have, I mean, we've kind of been put into a box defined by Mexicans, which is not a bad thing, right? Um, but like, for example, I was called whitewashed when I was in high school because I did not like, like in El Salvador, we don't eat tacos. Like, right. Like it was like very stereotypical things that even Mexicans like, um, measured me like for, right. 
Um, and I just didn't do a lot of the things that they did just because it wasn't like part of like how I grew up. But like I was born in El Salvador, right? So that really made me question my Latinidad. And then like politically speaking, like Latinos are so diverse. Um, like how they vote, like Cubans in Florida vote pretty conservatively. Um, and then it ranges like first, second generation Latinos, right? They also vote different than their parents. Um, like um, there's some more progressive wings taking up um, which influenced the election in Arizona, which influenced the national election. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Well, what do you guys think? Yeah, there's just so much diversity within the, like, Latin community. Like, each country is so different. Obviously, we have, like, our similarities. Like, if, like, you know, I think Dominicans and, like, Puerto Ricos are very, like, we have, a, like, they have a lot of similarities. But at the same time, they're two different countries, two different cultures. Like, we eat so many different kinds of foods. Like Jose said, like, in one country, some people might eat one thing, but then in a different one, they they don't eat that at all. We even have different, like, words for things. Like, if you were to ask, like, a group of, like, Latino people, like, they say for the word straw it would literally be <laughs> so like it would literally be a different word and then it's like sometimes I like like when someone that's not Mexican or Dominican like speaks to me in Spanish sometimes I don't know what they're saying because I'm like they just say all these words and I'm like I don't know what you're saying mm-hmm. like um so it I do blame the United States government on making even us like in our own community making us think that we're just like one community with like the same culture and stuff because like we're not and like because you know the United States government made up the word Hispanic like that's not even something that like we came up with it was like them um and I don't know it's just like Jose said now everyone just mostly thinks that like you know we're Mexican or the other like like land countries are like Mexico, right? That they all eat like tacos and stuff, which and is like spicy not, food. Yeah, or, yeah, or spicy yeah. food. Like I've met so many. Like a lot of my land friends cannot eat spicy food, <laughs> like because they can't handle it. Because then, when it's an issue, because when we try to talk about things, and we'll talk about this in a second, like Afro Latinos, and it's just like that's a whole like spicy topic within <laughs> like even our own community. Because I don't know. Yeah, and there's like, I mean, it's it's complicated, right? Because there's power in being and acting as a monolith, like this political power and forming up as one solid block and pushing for agendas. But then there's also disadvantages because you erase, you erase as well. You know, you can erase culture, you can erase identity in that solid block or that monolith. So it's complicated. It's not a, it's not an easy thing to like figure out in all honesty yeah i was thinking about this today that it's just very interesting that at least with the general public when you think of like the white population it's so easy to understand how different the white population is within the united states depending on what state they live in what their education looks like it's so easy and i think sometimes within like um brown communities we put a monolith on them um however i think the general understanding is they're not a monolith right it's at least when we talk about them like even just political parties like it's very easy to see 
that even though both parties are majority white, they're very different and they have different ideas. And I don't understand why we can't apply that to the Latin community as easily, like as the general public. Um, so I really appreciate like that the the discussion that we're having just so that people can just understand a little bit better that like just like the rest of the white community in the United States, like the Latin community is very different. And just the fact like the three of you in this conversation are so different from each other um in like just different um like interests and culture and um I just really appreciate about each of you the differences that you bring and so yeah thanks for for letting me learn a little bit more about that with you guys um so kind of going back to what you were talking about Priscilla about like Afro Latinidad this is something I learned about because I read an article that everyone was pissed off at Lynn um, what's his face? Lynn Miranda. Or Lynn Manuel Miranda. Oh. Yes, because of the in the Heights movie mm-hmm. and the the lack of representation for the Afro Latino community. Mm-hmm. And so, I was just wondering, like, if you guys could give me a little more insight. Um, I've heard conversations talking about this, like, in our center from you guys. So I'd love to kind of bring that conversation here of like, what is that, and Uh, Why is it such a, like, spicy topic, like Priscilla said? Yeah. So basically, like, Afro-Latinidad is just someone who is both from Latin descent and African descent. So they're Black and Latino. Um, It's a spicy topic because there's a lot of colorism within the Latino community. Like, a lot. Like, it's very prevalent. Like, racism and colorism is a very huge issue um, in our community. Like, so like I said earlier, I'm um, half Mexican, half Dominican. And growing up, I had an Afro. Well, like, I don't have hair now because I shaved my head. (laughs) But um, I have, like, super curly hair. And it's not, like, uh, just, like, loose. It's, like... Afro. You have an afro. No, yeah, it was like super curly, super curly hair. Definitely from both sides of my family. I have a lot of aunts on my dad's side, like my Mexican side, I have curly hair. But then also, like, I am half Dominican, so like, I. And for those who are listening that don't know history of the Dominican Republic, so the Dominican Republic shares an island with uh, Haiti, and the Dominican Republic has a very prominent Afro um, culture, like Afro people there, because. Um, Spaniards brought a lot of African slaves to that island. So we have a lot of African ancestors in our blood. So I'm sure that somewhere in the family genealogy, that's where I got also like got super curly hair from. But like growing up, I hated my curly hair. And in the Dominican Republic, there's this like curly hair is like pelo malo which in english is like bad hair and like pelo bueno is like straight hair or like not as curly hair so like growing up my grandma would be like oh priscilla got like the like pelo like malo like bad hair and so like even like within myself like something that is like an afro trait i hated so much and growing up I wish that I had straight hair and I just like wanted to get a perm like so bad um so yeah there's just and I think that even within like the Latino, the Latino community a lot of people don't see Afro-Latinos or just even like 
Asian like Latinos as like actual like Latinos because they don't look like your quote unquote typical like Latin person. But what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. You know. And I actually recently saw this one thing on Twitter. Pew, Pew Research did this research <laughs> that majority of Latinos are like light skin, like white, like have fair skin, and like there's a very like lower percentage of dark-skinned Latinos or, like, Afro-Latinos. And it was so funny because people were getting mad at that article. And when they put it on Twitter, I was, like, reading the, like, quote tweets and, like, replies. And then people are like, oh, they're trying to, like, they're trying to separate the, like, the land community, like, whatever. Like, who cares? Like, so, oh, and then there was... It was a lot of the white Latinos that were getting mad. Actually, that was the only; those were the only people getting mad. Were the white Latinos, or like actual white people, and they were literally like sub or like quote tweeting it and being like, like oh, like there's this white man on Twitter. It was so funny. He was like, oh, like watch out, Latinos. They're trying to put like the white privilege card on you too, which is like because there's a lot of Latinos that do have white privilege because they're literally white. Like right. they literally have light skin. Like, it's just so funny. Because then I think a lot of people, the reason why a lot of people don't want to, like, accept Afro-Latinidad as, like, actual Latinidad, like, that black people can actually actually be Latino. Because then once we accept that, that means that we have to also accept the fact that a lot of us have white privilege. Ooh, mm. shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I truly do believe that is why we, uh, as a community, don't still struggle with colors and racism because we don't not want to accept the fact that we also benefit from white privilege because a lot of us are marked as white on our like birth certificates i am even though i would never consider myself white but so like i don't know are you guys are like for jose and Dino, are you guys marked as white on your birth certificates do you uh, know i mean because i was born in El salvador so we don't so that's that. that's yeah. true that's only an american <laughs> thing but but when i did come into this country and i'm thank thank you for mentioning that my mom marked us as white. And I don't know if anybody can see me, but I'm clearly not white. Yeah. I don't think I'm white either. Like, You're I, not. I, like <laughs> even like facial features, I don't think I have like Eurocentric like facial features like at all. You don't. But like, I was marked as white. And I was just going to ask, like, how, I mean, I was thinking while Priscilla spoke about how we as Latinos are trying to disappear in the United States because we are like, uh, there's a lot of, I don't know how to, like a lot of Latinos fetishize white women as a way to get forward. And and uh and I try to call that out. Um, but also it's it's a way of trying to disappear to like be accepted in America. Um, and then like they say a lot of like mejorando la raza, which means like making the race better. As if marrying white people or having children with white people will make our race better. Uh, and this isn't a new idea. This no. has been oh, happening no, 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 no. for long. Like this isn't an I because this happens in the black community yeah. as well. Yeah. Dude, like, my grandma, my grandma loves white people. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. again, the, also like discover there's nothing wrong with white people. Yeah. I don't want any like of our white listeners to be listening to this and be feeling like some type of way. <laughs> like no, nothing wrong with being white. There's nothing to be ashamed of of being white. <laughs> But like even my grandma, like or both my grandmas, they they love the white they love the white men. They love the white men. Like my dad, so my sister, so I'm the oldest, my sister next to me, she is white. Like 
very light skin. A lot of people, like, during middle school and high school do not think that we were sisters because we were just so different from each other. Again, like, I had an afro. She had, like, light brown, like, straightish hair, and she's super white, has, like, green eyes, and I have, not, like, super dark, but, like, I am naturally, like, tan. Like, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and I have, like, super dark eyes. And my dad told me that after they had me and when they were going to, and when they found out they are going to have another baby, that he prayed that my sister, like, that, like, oh, that he wanted his baby to be like white with like blue eyes and like blonde hair and like prayed and like my sister came out and she had blue eyes and she was so white and she had blonde hair as she's gone older like the blue eyes turned into green eyes and now she has like a lighter brown hair but like even my dad like my parents were like we want a white baby (laughs) like we want like a baby with like light skin no that's so funny too because i was talking about this yesterday with the fellows how my so my mom is not like white white but she's like light-skinned but my dad is definitely not light-skinned and so growing up like um my mom like really liked my dad's like color um and then when i came out i'm like kind of middle uh and like i would have like some like darker traits like for example like my gums are like a little bit more melanated and she would see this and she'd be like wash your gums right because you're dirty and I was like, oh, and I'm exposing my mom here. I know, I just exposed my dad But also, uh, I mean, and to another point that the priest said about how how this has been going a long, a long time. And since we're talking about Afro-Latinidad as well, um, I was reading a book recently about Afro-Latinos in Argentina, which Argentina is like a very white, white yeah. country. And they take pride in being like Europe's like descendants. But you see these similar traits of like black um descendants of slaves marrying white men to get accepted uh into their community and for their children to be like lighter and and it got to the point where they disappeared um because they just kind of married based on wanting to be to be wider and to be fair it's not necessarily just like the belief that white people are better it's also like a way to survive yeah, true. right yeah, yeah, yeah. um it's a way for your children to survive and have a better future and um there is a history of like um i'm doing some research right now of like um black people that passes white people like back in the 1930s and how their lives were different and how um they would completely change their identity so that they could live within the white community just so they could survive. (laughs) And so, um, I don't know. What are your thoughts, Tino, just kind of on this conversation that's been going on? (laughs) Lots of bombs being exploded here, which is not a bad thing. (laughs) Like, because um, we're looking specifically at whiteness, right. As a system. Mm -hmm. Right. And, 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 you know, they're right. Like, this is a colonial project that has literally began since Columbus landed on the shores. Like, how do we best disappear this people, right? Well, we, we breed them with us. We, we, we take over. If we, if we can't take over, you know, and even if we can't take over, like, physically, we'll just breed them out or we'll, like, change their viewpoints of the world so we can install our knowledge and then they become us regardless. That's part of the colonial project, right, to dominate any race. And so this is not new. This is very much not new. And it's, and it's also complex, right? Because my father, so my father's mom is black, 
like I'm, I'm black Hondureña. And, but his dad was from Spain, literally from Spain. And um, he, he favors that side because society, his society told him to favor that side, right? And so he straightened his hair, he lost his Afro and, and I mean, specific intentions to like not appear as biracial or black. Where you could look, you could look at him now, you're like, is that even your like side anymore, or or anything like that? And I think with our children now, be like, you know, Priscilla is part of this movement. Uh, Jose is part of this movement. Where as we seek to like learn about who we are, we give voice to those to those histories of us that have been erased or try and try to be erased, right? And we tell our children about it, or we tell others about it, and we talk about it. Um, and it's not easy, but it's happening, and it's happening in very slow, crawling type of ways. But to be Black in Latin America is definitely, it's almost no different or even worse than the U.S. Like, it's part of the West, right? Like, you are either erased or, and people don't realize that. People, like, for example, there's a huge Brazilian diaspora living here in Utah. But how many Black Brazilians do you see, especially when that's, the vast majority of the country. Like, I can't, I, I still don't know a black Brazilian here, you know, in the state of Utah or Venezuelans, right? There's a lot of Venezuelans that have come to Utah specifically, but how many black Venezuelans when they make up at least 40% of the country do you see here, you know? And all of that is by design, right? Um, so when we have these conversations, we have to keep into account like the systemic nature of like colonialism and what has that created for people in Latin America? You know, you have like so many, you have so much blackness in Latin America. Blackness is probably, to be honest, to be honest with you, critical to the making of who we are as Latinidad. Just like in the U.S., it's critical to our cultural, like everyday lives in the U.S. Right? We've blackness created our music, it created our culture, it created everything about who we are. And in Latin America, it's the same thing. They created salsa. They created all these, you know, foods and music that are integral to who we are, but we don't give credit to that. And so indigeneity and blackness is also associated with indigeneity, right? Like you have in Honduras, the Garifuna, who don't necessarily call themselves black, even though they may be black of phenotype, right? Because they're an indigenous group. So they see themselves as like an African descended indigenous group. But um, they will be racialized as black over here in the U.S. and they still are in Honduras in many ways. And there's police brutality there. There's missing murdered indigenous women, missing murdered uh, black women in in Latin America too. So these issues are just barely starting to come to the surface, and we're just barely starting to engage them. And Priscilla is totally right. Latino, the term Latino or Latinidad is basically a white concept, and my fear is that we always have to keep, it's not my fear, but it's my caution that as Latinos, we always have to keep in check with our privilege. If we're not black Latino, if we're not indigenous or dark-skinned Latino, we're basically part of that privilege sector that needs to kind of be mindful of that. And that's where I don't think we're willing to let that go. That's a tough thing to let go because that's power, right? So it's complicated, super complicated. Yeah, I just want to like shout out this recent influencer on Instagram that I followed, and her name is Amara La Negra. Um, so if you you guys should follow her on Instagram and check out her stuff because she's very very open about her Afro Latinidad, 
um, and her experiences growing up Latino, but also growing up black, um, and how a lot of people just didn't and don't see her as like Latina. Um, so I really like her a lot and she's super funny and she's super cool. So you guys should follow her, um, on Instagram and just hear her discussions on things because, um, she, I watched, I think she was on like the Facebook is doing this like celebrity, like round table. Like, I don't know what they're doing, but she was on it and she was saying that like, um, she used to, I don't know if she used to, or she still does now would audition for like telenovelas and they were like for those that don't know that's like a soap opera yeah yeah Yeah, that's like soap operas in like spanish (laughs) um a very like popular thing um and so yeah she would audition for these telenovelas and like they were like after giving her feedback or like callbacks and they're like we love you we love your charisma we love your personality but we're just looking for someone who looks more latina so she would be turned down from these roles that she would audition for because because she was black and they were open about that they were like we want someone like that looks more latina which is again like but what does that even look like and is she not like latina then because she is like you know i don't know exactly where she's from i think she's part dominican but um yeah you guys should follow her she's very very cool i love her a lot um and I guess to close out our discussion that we are having, um, what is one thing, like Jose and Tino, that you want our listeners to know about our community? I just, I just think uh, I would like our listeners to, like, if they're not within the Latin American community, to be willing to learn more about the background of colonialism in our communities and like in our homeland, as well as here in the U S and to not, to essentially let that go. Like don't put borders up around our identity, engage us, ask us what we think and so forth. And then for those listeners who are within our community, I really think like Priscilla and Jose mentioned, um, we have to have these, these conversations within ourselves, within our communities, because I don't want to hear about it from from whiteness or U.S. scholars or anything, I want this to be engaged with in our within ourselves, and it's going to be messy, but we have to talk about it because it's it's time, right? So, and that's kind of the two things I would I would I would say. I would say something similar that we need to have these conversations um, very quickly because these are pretty important things, and as we progress as Latinos. In the United States and Latin America, um, these are very thing. There's a, these are very important things to keep in mind. Um, and like Tino said, like um, it should be within our community because I don't want to hear it. Because a lot of Latino like kind of research has been done by white um, people, um, and it's kind of disheartening hearing it from them because they don't sometimes they don't fully understand the story. Um, and yeah, and then for those outside the Latinx community, I would invite you to maybe open up how you think about the latina latino latinx latina community right um how we're very very different and how also we shouldn't be just and how people if there's one latino like in a place like they shouldn't be tokenized i think that's also important to mention 
Yeah, I agree with what Jose and Tino said. I think just realizing that we're a very vast and diverse community and every Latino that you meet is going to be very different. I would just, you know, say like follow a lot of Latino influencers on your social medias, especially Afro-Latinos and indigenous Latinos. Um, And yeah, like how Tino said, just learn the history of the colonization within our countries and um, to people who are listening that are part of the Latino community, just to grapple with the white privilege that we have if we're not Afro-Latino or Indigenous Latino or like just like not very dark skinned. I think that's something that we need to start being more open about is that we do have white privilege and we benefit from that system very much so. Um, and I just thought about this, but if there's anyone also listening, another thing that kind of bothers me is when people who like lit, like who are like, right, like who have sort of missions in like land countries or like no Spanish or like, right, or like marry like Latino people or whatever. And then they think that all of a sudden they can like have a say in like conversation or that they know like Latino culture um, just because they've like lived there, or, like served a mission there, or, like marry someone, you know, from that community. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you need to realize that it, there's nothing wrong with being interested in our culture and our language at all. Um, you definitely can visit land countries. You can learn Spanish and, you know, you can appreciate the culture and the music and all that we have to offer and all that we make but you also need to realize that it's none of that is your home like not we're not like we're also not like your people you know I think a lot of people say like my people like or whatever and it's like no you also Mm. need to realize that you know that those are separate things I think that's another thing that bothers me a lot is just people especially people with missions then they just think that like like my my home away from home or whatever so yeah yeah uh, one more thing i would like to bring up um that if, <laughs> sorry if someone is grappling with their latinidad i would like like if someone doesn't feel latino enough or they're still grappling with that identity i would very much invite them to like look more into it because i know there's a lot of people that are latinos that are still grappling with it and they don't feel latino enough to engage these conversations uh, but like Priscilla said, like if you served on a mission or like went two weeks to like Brazil, like you're not like, I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's, I think people should be encouraged to look into that, to that side of themselves as well. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate you guys just being vulnerable and just letting me listen in on this conversation because I've learned a lot and I know that whoever's listening to this is also learning so much. Um, So please, if you are someone that is seeking community, um, please follow us on Instagram. We have so many connections to just all of those things Tino was talking about earlier about the projects that he's working on, fellows at the center um, that are constantly having these conversations um, that we would love to get you connected with um, and be able to support you in any way that we can as you figure out what your identity is. Um, So thank you for listening and remember to keep it real.